Wild baby. Wild baby. Wild baby? Wild baby. Welcome back to another episode of Wild Baby. We're your hosts, Maddie Wong and Jay Begay, Colorado-based portrait photographers sharing our personal perspectives and journeys through societal expectations on beauty. Wild Baby is here to provide people of color, gender identity, and sexual expression a safe community that will allow everyone to grow, learn, and heal. Disclaimer, we are not licensed therapists, sexologists, or claiming that we know everything. We are just a community who wants to have interesting conversations that will hopefully allow us to heal. Hello and good morning to you, baby. So we want to mix things up and try something new today. We feel that taking a breath of air throughout the day is so important to not only your physical health, but your mental health. So together, let's take a moment to do a box breathing exercise. Inhale for four seconds, and then you hold for four seconds. Exhale for another four, and you hold for another four. Ready? Let's take a deep breath, and let's do this. Again. Wonderful. Okay, so we hope that allows you to relax and stay in this present moment with us. And let's get to our podcast. Hey, yo, 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 what's up, babies? (laughs) (laughs) I hope everyone's doing great. It's Friday. We're still in our mental health month. I want to shout out to anybody who's dealing with any sort of mental health. We're all going through it. I know we all are. And just... Let us know if you need any support. We're happy to send you any resources that we have our way. But today we're not talking about mental health. We are not here to capitalize on mental health. But today we're here to talk about inclusivity. I am overjoyed. We are overjoyed to share with you an amazing human being, very intelligent, provides me plenty of resources as well as many other companies making waves through the wedding industry. (laughs) We're here to discuss inclusivity, baby, within the queer community. Tirza, such an inspiring person. You make me laugh all the time. You're so smart. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Can you tell us what your pronouns are and what kind of waves that you're making through this industry? Yes. What are your goals? Hi, everyone. I am really happy to be here. Thanks for asking me to join the podcast today. Um, my name is Tirza, and my middle name is Joy. And I just mentioned that because a lot of people have a really hard time saying my name. <laughs> I get like every pronunciation in the books. And so I always say it's like a tear you cry, uh. And then my middle name is Joy, so it's Tears of Joy, um, which is a little way that people can oh, I love that. <laughs> and <laughs> yes hippie parents so yes um and my pronouns are she her hers and a little bit about my background too is that I um have a history as a social worker so I have a decade long career in social work and I got really burnt out and wanted to figure out what I could do with my life I 
only had the identity of a social worker. I was working primarily in trauma work, domestic violence services, um, and kind of had a moment where I was wanting to completely change what I was doing and wanting to still give back, support people, but from a very different lens. Um, and realized that I could bring something new to the wedding industry. And so I decided to switch gears and start my business, Nearlywood Coaching, and be able to be a part of people's lives when it's a joyful part of their lives versus the darkness. So coming more into the light. Um, and I, as a queer person myself, um, I got married in 2019 and my wife and I realized through that process that we wished we had emotional support um, and felt that there were some things missing. And around the inclusivity piece, we had some really good experiences. And then we had some negative experiences as well, um, where we would receive proposals from wedding planners and other vendors, and it would just completely disregard our identity, um, even though they knew we were a queer couple and two women. And we would get proposals that said bread and groom and mm. used that gendered language. And it immediately made us feel like we weren't being seen for who we were. Um, and we received one proposal that was so tailored to us and used the correct pronouns and had a picture of a queer couple on the cover of the proposal. And that's the person we hired. Um, and so now that I myself have a business in the wedding industry, I have made it kind of a personal mission to be able to disrupt the heteronormative culture that is so heavily woven into the wedding industry because of weddings being so, um, I guess, not inclusive of all couples over history. So we look at back at history and we know that gay marriage wasn't even legal seven years ago. Seven years ago. That's not very long. Mm -hmm. And I think the wedding industry is still catching up to that and has a lot of work to do. There's progress being made, but there's still a lot of room for growth. And I think that's an exciting thing. I think that there is opportunity for vendors to be a part of that change together to make changes where queer couples don't necessarily have to feel excluded or have to guess if vendors are inclusive. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Can we talk about what you believe the significance of bringing inclusivity to vendors and business here in Colorado will do to our community? Yeah. So that kind of comes to what I was talking about. Um, it would be huge for all vendors to make this a priority. I think that... There is some fear there, potentially, for vendors. Um, it's the status quo. It's easy to go with what's comfortable, what's been happening for centuries and for years. And, you know, knowing, okay, this is what I do well. I know how to work with heterosexual couples. Um, and not that I don't think many vendors are um, homophobic. Maybe some are. I don't know that for sure. But I think it's more so comes from a place of wanting to be inclusive, but not knowing how, not knowing mm. how to go about that. Um, and then a lot of fear that can come up around doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing or kind of falling down and making mistakes. And how do you you know, work through that? 
um, to grow, to learn, how can I really support queer couples navigating an industry that doesn't necessarily support them automatically? And how do I be a part of that um, without doing it the wrong way or, you know, being performative um, and not coming across in an authentic way? And so I think that fear oftentimes limits people from taking action. But the thing about that is that with the social and political climate we live in and what we're dealing with, and we have been for for so much history um, within the queer community, I mean, this is an ever long lasting, evolving battle for equality. It's not an option, I feel, anymore for vendors to just kind of stay silent. Um, and stay with the status quo. Um, I went to a wedding expo back in February. And Jay, you were there, actually. We ran into each other, <laughs> which was I awesome. Know. I was like, my person, really yes. Um, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was really proud. I was like, oh, my gosh, you just started this. And like you, you just dove in. And I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was really lovely to see you because I'm going to be honest, I was extremely nervous because it was my very first expo and I had no idea what what I was doing. And so when I saw a familiar face, I like ran up and hugged you. Um, But so when I was there, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And it ended up being because the wedding industry is so wild right now with so many weddings being postponed because of COVID, it was like triple the amount of people there. So they said they were going to expect 2000. There was 5000 people. So it was wild. And there was probably a couple couple hundred vendors there. We were the only one out of a few hundred that had anything that was inclusive. Anything. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this was this year. Um, And I mean, what I mean by that is we had rainbow flags. That was our giveaway. We had an inclusivity um, like a framed statement saying like all are welcome, affirmed and celebrated here with a rainbow flag. And that imagery is powerful. It means a lot mm-hmm. to the queer community. And just that imagery is so simple, but it has a huge impact and can go very far. And let me tell you what happened that day. We had so many queer couples there, actually. I didn't know. I wasn't, I wasn't sure like what that would look like. We had so many queer couples that came through that day. And, and so many of them came up to us and said, like, this means so much to us. Like, you're the reason that we were glad we came here today because we weren't feeling like we were seeing any inclusivity whatsoever. And like, this was a complete waste of time until we came up to your booth. That was some of the feedback we got. And that meant so oh, much. And it's like, I know. I, yeah. <laughs> we got goosies over here. Wow. That's so Me impactful. too. It's so impactful. And it's like, why is this what it is still in, mm. in 2022? Right. And I think one other thing I wanted to share was that it goes beyond the couple. Okay. So we had couples with their kids or couples that brought family their siblings or have kids and they're like, my kids trans, can they get a flag? This means so much to them. I was like, of course. And it felt like our booth felt like community and love and celebration. And the vibration was so high. I had to sleep for like a whole day after that. I was like, Whoa, I had moms crying. I'm not kidding you. I had parents crying. It was just, yeah. And so I think the other thing I want to mention is that with this, it's not just the couple, right? When we're talking about inclusivity, this is for heterosexual couples. This is for everybody. This is about love. 
and acceptance and fighting against hate, right, in the world, because we are looking at the whole, the whole part, the whole wedding party, everyone, the guests. So you have a heterosexual couple and you're like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about inclusivity because I'm dealing with a heterosexual couple. Well, what if their wedding party has gender non-binary folks? What if their wedding party, what if their, what if their brother's transgender? They are looking for inclusivity as well. Mm -hmm. You know, what if they have family members that are in the queer community and maybe they're not, maybe they don't identify as gay, but their family does. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we're thinking expansively. It's not just about the queer couple. It's about everyone. And as a business owner, if you're able to say like, this is what I believe in and I'm not going to be scared to say it because this is the value system that we hold and it's authentic to who we are as a business that goes far and all people see that. And you know what? Maybe if some people that don't align with your, your business and your values and your inclusivity don't like that, then maybe they're not the couple you want to work with anyways. And so it's getting over the fear of like, well, if I say this, then am I still going to attract, you know, all couples? Yeah. Cause you're going to attract the people, the people that you want to attract that actually are in line and, and, you know, aligned with what you mm-hmm. believe in as a business. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about my personal experience within like the coaching. And so yeah. I reached out to Tirza cause I, I know her, but when I saw that you're doing inclusivity, I was really interested in this because, and I told you this, but I found it so weird that most of my clients were heterosexuals when a lot of my queer or, um, I'm, a lot of my close friends are part of the queer community. Right. And, and I was like, what? I hang out with mainly queer people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really like all of my close friends are queer. Right. I'm really confused on how this is working out for me. And so I think having a conversation with you. Yeah. I think it can be very much intimidating in terms of how do you feel? how do you not make it feel like authentic? Um, but you, you gave me plenty of good insight on just being me. And I don't know, like, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes, (laughs) that makes a lot more sense. I should just kind of tell people this is who I am. (laughs) And here we are doing a podcast. This is who I am people. All right. Yes. Where am I? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this Jay so much because it's such a good insight for you where you're like, wait, I have so many queer folks in my community. Like this is so much of who I am and what I believe in and what I value. And then in my business, there was a disconnect. And I think it's the, the plague of overthinking. We just Mm. overthink so much and we are thinking about, okay, how do I do this and do it right? We just, it becomes paralyzing instead of just saying like, wait, wait, forget all of that. Who am I at my core as a person? And also as the owner of my business, I get to decide what that looks like. I'm not in a corporation where I'm like having to, you know, work within this frame. I get to do what I want to do. And who am I and being authentic? And if you come from an authentic place, then you just get to state that. And it doesn't feel as scary. And it doesn't feel as like paralyzing. I mean, do you think that was part of what helped you move through that? 
Yeah, I think there is a combination of things. I think that your insight and your, I'm a very emotional person. So when you tell me something about like a story that makes me like sympathize and I'm like, oh my God, it's duh. And so emotionally I'm like, I got to solve this. Duh. <laughs> um, so I think giving me the the stories a little bit and then also saying like, Jay, if you're authentic, you're going to just be authentic. Um, your resources have helped us. We're still implementing them. We really, I really am such a nerd about imagery. So I'm like, if it's not right, it needs to be right. Like, <laughs> of course, you're a photographer. I, I know. <laughs> so I'm still nitpicking a little bit, but we're really excited to um, full force more um, of our community together. And I think that even for me, so, so for me, it was just kind of, um, I don't know, just relieving. I think it was definitely relieving mm -hmm. to know that I had all of the resources on my own. Mm -hmm. They were already there. Provided me. Yeah. 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 I love it. So I'm yeah, so you're happy. helpful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got it. You're doing the thing. You're doing it good. <laughs> And I'm really excited for you to like kind of provide that more for other people and other businesses mm -hmm. because you're right. It is exhausting and it's like paralyzing to think, <laughs> why are we always just regressing and we can't progress? And I just, I'm tired of the lack of progression that we have. We're not moving together. We're not going to be sustainable and mm -hmm these are ways that we can kind of come together as a community to be sustainable. And so I'm really excited for you to kind of make waves within that and help support, you know, this community to be better and make them feel accountable, you know, yeah. as well as this, hopefully this podcast can bring this awareness of like people, let's get this moving, you know? Absolutely. And I think that accountability, sometimes there can be a connotation of like, that's a negative thing. Like we're judging each other. It's not, it's accountability can come from love and can come from, you know, a space of let's support each other and lift each other up. And we, it's okay to acknowledge that maybe you, there's things you don't know. And so I think another thing about the inclusivity consulting is creating a relationship with vendors. It's not a course that they do online and at the end they, you know, learn something, which there's nothing wrong with those courses. They're really helpful. I think what I wanted to do was create personal relationship so that we can talk through and support vendors through some of those areas that are very vulnerable and emotional. And it's admitting some things that maybe are hard to talk about. Like we talk about pronouns. Well, I don't actually fully understand pronouns. Well, great. Let's talk about it because if you don't fully understand it and I'm saying, here's a way that you can increase your inclusivity efforts. Why that's when we're going into the territory of potential performative because you're not understanding what you're doing or why you're doing it. And you're just doing it because that's not where we want to go. So providing a safe space for vendors as well, where it's not judgmental, it's okay to process through your feelings. It's okay to ask questions. And if you don't know something, let's talk about it and provide that education as well. So that when you do implement these action steps, you fully understand why you're doing them. And if someone asks you, well, why do you have a pronoun in your signatures? You can fully under, you know, explain to that person why. And so they're just being like, well, I think I'm just supposed to. Um, and really being able to back up what you're doing. That's where we're going out of performative into authentic action of inclusivity. 
I love that. There's a person that I am going to be photographing soon. I'm really excited. But um, she, in her signature, in her bio signature, she says, you know, pronouns she, her. And then underneath it, I think it, she says, like, what does that mean? And it's a link. Yes. yes. And it brings it all up. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is maybe something I should consider doing to kind of explain that to people without me or other people being the speaker of, but they're like, here's some resources for you. Throw it at you. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like impressed. A- it's such a good idea. And it actually just reminded me like I should do that too because um, in one of my old social work jobs, I was on an inclusivity um, committee that we started and we actually implemented signatures and pronouns and signatures for all of the staff. And that was what we did is we put a little link that says, what is this? Or what, you know, want to learn more. And I think that's such a good idea because it does provide that education. And if someone doesn't understand, then it's right there, they click on it and then they can educate and that education can spread far. So that's awesome. You know, talking about this, it makes me look back on my own wedding. What is it? Like seven, eight years ago. What's 2015? (laughs) Seven years ago. (laughs) But yeah, like it makes me look back on my wedding seven years ago. And I'm uh, like, I really, I, I was like, man, I hope that I had that kind of team on my side when I got married. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm in a heterosexual relationship, but I'm, also by so like I kind of wish that I had that in like in my wedding day but instead it was I don't know honestly like my wedding day was it was traumatizing for me because all the things that I wanted got changed around because the pastor that my mom hired was like, oh, no, this is not proper. This is not proper. You should be wearing this. You should be wearing that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And so I was just like, this is not what I want at all. Like, it was so far from what I hoped for in my wedding. And looking back like I couldn't I just could not picture that day as a happy day for me like I was so stressed out I tried to be happy because I was like this is my wedding day I should be happy right but I wasn't um so my wedding theme it was seafoam I I love that color so much because I think it's such a soft color is a beautiful color. And so I got my nails seafoam color. And then they were like, you should have your nails be white because this is your first wedding. You shouldn't have an off white dress. You should have a white dress. You should have gloves to cover your, your hands, like up to your forearm, because this is your first wedding. And I'm like, this is my only wedding. What are you talking about? Right. Like, why Why are you making it sound like <clears throat> I'm not taking this wedding seriously? You know, like I am like so fucking what if I have green nails as opposed to white nails or French tip nails? Like, come on. Like, I was just like, this is not the 80s. OK, like we've evolved, but nobody listened to me. Nobody heard me. 
I think the only one that actually hurt me was my husband. He was like, no, let's go get your nails done. You want seafoam color? Yeah, no, that color is perfect. That's that's a beautiful color. Get it. And so I was just like, yeah, like he was the only one that hurt me. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for this. This is good because this will branch into Tirza. Um, my reflection of my wedding day, I think the most stressful part about any wedding for me was the expectations of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me like completely disconnect on my wedding. And our wedding was the most untraditional. I had black nails. I had like... <laughs> I mean, I wore like a dress that I never expected to. I loved it. Um, I thought I was going to wear a suit at first. And I just Mm -hmm. was like, no, we're going to do this. But it was beautiful. It was amazing. But I was so disconnected because I was more numb about the expectations of, oh, my gosh, are people going to judge me because it doesn't feel traditional? Are people going to judge me because not all of our friends could have made it because we were in the middle of COVID? Are people going to judge me because of, you know, all, all of these things? You know, my mom had expectations on what it should have been like. And it was the most stressful thing was just other people. And yeah. I'm excited for this because I try so hard to advocate for Tirza when people are like, we just got engaged. I'm like, here's a wedding coach. You're going <laughs> to just you. if you need somebody, I'm going to drop this in. <laughs> Do you want to expand on that, Tirza? <laughs> yes, I do. I totally do. I feel like I feel like both of your stories, while different, have those these common threads. It is so much about weddings being taken away from us. It's like there are these big events that you're the host and they have to meet expectations of others. And so many people have opinions about what that should look like because marriage is an ancient institution. And there, with that comes a lot of traditions. And most people, especially older generations, if we're talking about like, you know, parents and grandparents, they can have attachment or cultural to, to religious. I mean, there's so many reasons. Um, Two, it needs to look a certain way. And you can't step outside of that box for like what you were talking about, Maddie. Like, no, you can't have seafoam nails. You need to have white nails. It needs to be this. And it takes, it's like, it robs you of the authentic experience that you wanted to have. And at the end of the day, why are we getting married in the first place? I think as a society, we've gotten so far away from the intention and meaning of a wedding. It has become an event that now all of a sudden you get engaged. And as a couple, you're supposed to be this like super skilled planner (laughs) who knows what you're doing and you have to meet all these expectations and you're balancing so many different things and so many dynamics. And I'm, I'm not kidding. When people get married, people around the couple that are getting married, they have feelings. (laughs) It brings something out of people. There's a lot of attachment to certain things. And so 
what I, and in my experience, like I feel like my wife and I did, we did have a very, um, I feel like we did have a very intentional wedding, but there's still things I look back on and I'm like, man, we got so caught up in like the wedding amazing race of like, just check things off the box and just make quick decisions and get it done that we didn't really think through things. I know at the level, like at the core of us, we knew that one of our values was diversity and inclusivity for our wedding. And we hired 70% of our vendors and didn't think about that until we were like, already hired all of our vendors. And we were like, wait, what a second, we're an interracial couple, like, this matters to us, we want inclusivity in our vendors. And it was too late, because we were so worried about just getting it done and hiring the people that like, we didn't really slow down and think about like, how do we really want to be intentional about this? And that is something that I wish we could have done better. So as a wedding coach, this is what I want to do to change the wedding industry and to help couples and support couples. Wedding coaching is not wedding planning. I think that's the number one mm. thing I want to say because a lot of people are like, oh, you're a wedding planner <laughs> because that's like an established <laughs> vendor. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I am not um, because there's hundreds of wedding planners out there. And I will say this, first of all, wedding planners highly recommend like that they, they are amazing. Um, really, really, really help create the flow of your wedding and support you on all of the levels of logistics. And it's highly recommended. So I want to say that first. <laughs> um, but I am a wedding coach that's supporting couples from the emotional side. And it's yeah. so interesting because we spend so much time fo- focusing on the logistics the color of the napkins, the seating chart, all, you know, how it's going to look, how all those things, and those things are important, but it takes away from the emotional process that couples go through. And so many, I think most couples, um, unless you're like eloping and saying, screw everything else, you know, can, it can be very stressful. You're dealing with so many things and couples have no idea what they're in for and there's nothing there to support them. They might have friends and family and that's huge. Like Maddie, you're saying you're like, you had no one that was listening to you except for your husband. And if you did, they might still have had like some, you know, feelings because they know you, they're close to you. And so as Mm -hmm. an unbiased person who doesn't know the couple, I'm coming in, I don't have attachments. I don't have feelings. I don't have opinions. I'm there to fully support them. And what wedding coaching is all about is helping a couple be authentic to themselves. Because there's so much external noise. Like, Jay, like what you were saying, you thought so much about what are other people going to think? Am I going to be judged? And that impacted you. And so wedding coaching is helping couples through the wedding planning process. But how do they take each step of that process and, and be authentic to them the entire time? So really helping them even know what that means. <laughs> I think the first step, too, is like, what does that even mean? Like, what do we want? What do we really want this to look like? And getting connected with like, who are we as a couple? What is our value system? What matters to us? How do we live our lives? Like, what are the things we enjoy? That should be a reflection in your in your wedding um, and helping them connect with that first. And then how do they, as they go through the entire process, how are they taking steps from an authentic place? So taking away the traditional wedding blueprint, let's just call it that, right? Because there is a very traditional way of like, this is how you get married. 
But like, it's 2022. And we're in a generation where we are more authentic and unique to who we are. And like, we have color hair and piercings and tattoos and express ourselves in all these different ways. And it's like, why would you stop that part of who you are just because you're getting married and you want to look a certain way and fit into this box? It's like, no, be your wild self. Like, be exactly who you are and have that reflected in your wedding. Because that is something that you can look back on and not have regret and not be like, dang, like we really let like the societal expectations or the family or the culture or the religious expectations weigh us down and take that away from us. Look back at your wedding and be like, fuck yeah. Like that was exactly us. That was exactly who we are. We are starting. What is a wedding? (laughs) It's two people coming together and committing their love to each other. It should be you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can look back on it and be like, yeah, that was us. And this was the beginning of the rest of our lives. Another thing about wedding coaching is setting boundaries, helping couples like navigate that process where maybe there is family that's kind of controlling or has super strong expectations of them and they don't want to let them down, but they also don't want to sacrifice the wedding they want. And so I help couples set boundaries with family. It's usually family, usually parents, usually moms. Like if we're gonna be real, it's usually moms. That's so. Uh, that is mom. so funny. Because okay, so yeah. my sister got married last summer, mm-hmm. and Jay was there. And I don't think I told this to anyone but my husband that I am. I I I love her. I'm happy for her. Like I re- genuinely, I am happy for her. But I was also grieving for me. Because on her wedding day, my mom actually didn't really say anything. My mom was like, you want this? Okay, well, then get that. It's what you Mm -hmm. want. It's your day. And I was like, excuse me? Like, I was so baffled. And I afterwards, um, I actually talked to my mom about it because I was talking to my therapist about it. And my therapist was like, this is something that you need to bring up to her. I talked to her and I cried. I was like, you stole my wedding. Like, I'm not okay with this at all. Like, I hated my wedding day. Like, I love my sister. I want to be there for her. And I want to be fully present and support her all the way. But I feel like there's something that's holding me back from doing so. Like, I could not. Like, I just can't be fully happy for her because I'm, I was grieving for myself. And that was, like, honestly, something that I was, like... It was the first time that I told my mom that, no, my wedding, you ruined my wedding day. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Obviously, I'm still not over it. <laughs> yeah. No, because I think that was, a tra- that, was, that was a trauma for you. And to yeah. be able to, like, have the comparison of your sister's wedding where your mom approached it in a completely different way and the way you wish she had mm-hmm. approached it with you. And being like, well, what, what's the difference? Or, like, why, why wasn't this the experience I received? And then being able mm-hmm. to have that conversation with your mom, I'm sure, was was a very powerful feeling to be able to, like, have, speak that out loud to her. So in a polar thought of that, like in reflection, a little bit even on mine, um, is I think I just knew my my limit of like how much interference I could deal with. I was going through a lot of therapy. I was going through like healing groups. And I remember my mom wanting to do stuff and interfering with that. And, you know, there are slight suggestions coming from um, Aaron's side of the family 
but <laughs> I cut my mom off very like I I had to be like no multiple times and I think she got to a point where she's like okay she doesn't want me to do anything and on Aaron's side of the family it was more of like okay they're doing their thing they'll figure it out and they'll ask me if I want help but in reflection I felt like I should have probably had them be included on it more so I wonder how all of this within the like wedding coaching balances not only just the desires of the couples but also you know, what mom wants to bring to the table to feel inclusive yeah. too. Yeah, and totally. The rest of the family. That's a, such a good point, Jay. I love that so much because I think that with setting boundaries, that is not cutting people off. That is not necessarily saying like, let's just, okay, I'm not going to deal with you at all. Like you're not involved. You're done. <laughs> like you get no say. <laughs> um, I mean, that is definitely one way to just be like, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> you know, like, I get it. I totally get it. I think from a coaching perspective, what I try to help my couples with is how do you set boundaries with compassion? How do you set boundaries with love? And how do you, it usually is one person's parent. So let's just say, you know, it's my parent. I know my parent better than my, my fiance knows my parent. So for the person that it's their parents, really talking to them about like, okay, what is your communication style growing up? And we dive a little bit deeper because this stuff comes from a long history of the relationship that that person has with their parent. It is not just like, all of a sudden mom's acting a type of way like this is a pattern this this is this is something that mom has probably been doing for a while and throughout their lives as far as controlling certain things they're doing or wanting to kind of take over so it's not probably something new so it's about how do we know what works with mom how do we best kind of communicate with her where she'll hear you so i usually have that conversation of like how do you approach this in a way where we're not going to immediately have defense mode come up because Parents have a lot of their own feelings about their kids getting married. I think one of the common themes is like, I want like my kids to have the wedding that like maybe I didn't get or like, I think it should look this certain way. And like, this is like, it almost becomes about like them. It comes more about them than about their, their child. Um, And so it's about helping them understand that this is about their child and having a conversation where the the parent's going to hear them and coming up with creative ideas of how else could mom be involved. So I'm going to give an example. I have one couple whose mom was convinced she, she was going to be the day of coordinator. Like she wanted to run the whole wedding and that was what she wanted to do to contribute. And so we talked that through and (laughs) kind of got to the place of like a professional wedding coordinator is going to help you create the wedding you really want. Also with mom, maybe not necessarily representing the couple's vision, right. And wanting to take it in a different direction. Um, But what else, if we're going to say, Hey mom, like we really want you to spinning it, right. Not taking this away from her because we don't trust you or we don't want you to be in this role, but saying, we want you to really enjoy the day. We want you to be present. We want you just to be, you know, able to enjoy every moment and not think about the little details. And we're going to hire someone else to do that so that you can really be present as like the mother of the groom, for example. And another solution to that too, is like, we can be really selective about like, okay, we want to, and I think a lot of times the complication is, is attached to money. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. that can be complicated if a parent's paying for the wedding or a portion of the wedding they feel like they have a right 
to decide how it's done. And so kind of taking back some of that control of being like, we don't want an all white wedding. We want seafoam, for example, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we're going to be in control of the aesthetics, but maybe we don't care as much or we're not as attached as much to the food. And we know mom really cares about food. So let's give her that task and let her kind of take that on. So it's about including your parent in a certain way, but not necessarily giving them full reign to take over your entire wedding. Because the other thing about setting boundaries with parents is that this is setting a precedent for the rest of your lives, right? Like this is like the moment that, hey, we're a couple, we're a unit, like we're adults, we're deciding what our wedding looks like as we go into life together. And sometimes I think it's hard for the parent because they're also having to let go of some of Mm -hmm. that attachment of like oh I'm the closest person to my son where it's like well now his wife's going to be his partner and respecting some of those boundaries that the couple needs to set as they go into their marriage together um so that's just one way that I approach it and like what are helping the couple figure out like what are the things that are the most important for them that they're deal breakers that we're, we're not going to let someone tell us we can we have to do this differently and what are the areas where we're like okay i mean maybe we can get some help there's also ways to honor parents and include them in the ceremony and really you know help them be be a part of that of acknowledging you know who they've been in their lives and there's a lot of creative things so more of the story because i could talk about this all day i think too is just that weddings can be whatever you want it to be And so you get to decide as a couple as far as what that looks like. And you can still include your parents, even if they're driving you crazy. Yeah, like my for my sister, I actually like her wedding the way she did hers. Um, I come from a Chinese background and I grew up in Indonesia and even in Indonesia, like we see weddings as like (laughs) weddings is the parents reunion with their friends. So even if the kids don't even know the friends of the parents, they're all invited. And during photo session, the friends of the parents get a photo with the groom and bride or, you know, the the couples. And we're like, you don't even know this person. Like, why are you in the photo? (laughs) So like back in Indonesia, weddings can be upwards of like 200, 500 people in attendance. And so when my sister got married, she limit the amount of people that can come. She was like, just because they're your friends from your church, they no, they cannot come. Okay, like we're limiting this. And my parents were like, can I can we have like guests for like with on on our name? And I think my sister kind of limit the amount of guests that my parents can invite. Like, I think they were only able to invite like four people as opposed to like (laughs) a multitude of people, all the people that they know in Denver. (laughs) 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 So like, and on top of that, and I think my sister was like, I want to implement my culture. So in the Chinese culture, the parents of the bride and usually the parents of the bride and groom, they decorate their new house, like the house of the new house for the bride and groom. They help decorate it. They put all these like, um, like decoration in front of the doors to kind of like to get rid of like, or to wore out like evil spirits, like bad luck and all that. Um, 
And then they put new bed sheets, um, like, yeah, new bedding sets and everything. So they did that for my sister and my brother-in-law. Like my parents helped decorate their the house that they were living in. And then during the wedding itself, we have a Chinese tea ceremony where um, bride and groom, they respect, they pay their respect to the parents, the siblings and the grandparents or grandparents, parents and siblings. So each of us, we sit down like one by one, like both by two. We give them the red envelope with money. So we pay mm-hmm. respect to them and then they give us tea for them to pay respect to us. Um, That's like one of the things that my sister was like, no, I'm including you guys in this. Like this is part of that inclusivity for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Even though my my brother-in-law's family is white, they were all like, so what are we doing? (laughs) They were all so confused. And it was so funny because (laughs) like nobody really know what happened until the day of the practice, like until the day of the rehearsal. I love it. Because I think the other thing too about wedding coaching is helping couples be able to infuse who they are as individuals and the culture Mm -hmm. and the background, the heritage that they come from. And so if you're like an interracial couple or a couple with diverse identities, like you, I think it's really cool to help couples explore, like, how do we bring that together as we enter into marriage um, where maybe we have these differences that we want to honor and, and and really highlighting that and, and honoring that within our ceremony as a couple could be really cool to explore. Yeah, I'd like to touch on both, like, because I also went to Maddie's sister's wedding. So beautiful. (laughs) There were some things such as, like, the photographer that me and Maddie have communicated with that she didn't get what she wanted. She she dealt with, like, a family member in that regard. And so there were some tricky complications there. Um, But inclusivity in terms of, like, culture and and what you want to bring to the table and how I'm trying to leeway this into is is Tirza I feel like your ceremony was such an inspiration to me I just I loved it I thought it was it just felt personal and it didn't I had no idea like necessarily I was working too but um I had no idea truly what you were saying but I felt it and it didn't, I didn't have to know what anyone was saying, especially with the tea ceremony. I didn't have to know what was going on. I just needed right. to feel that. And I thought yeah. that was so beautiful to show that side of like inclusivity. I'm kind of curious. Do you want to talk about like the story behind your ceremony or would you like to keep that a little private? No, I can talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> Let me see. I'm like, okay, okay, what what did we do? Um, so I think what started that off probably was the intention of wanting to really put a lot of energy into our ceremony. And kind of just going back into the coaching mode real quick, 
I think that's something that I really try to support couples through primarily because in society, like I was talking about before, there's such a focus on how it looks and how in the party and all of that, which is so fun. And I don't take that away. Like that was like one of the most amazing things ever was just celebrating with everyone and dancing. And that's so fun. But I think the intentionality piece is so much heightened when it comes to creating your ceremony, which some couples can really kind of overlook. And it's sometimes can be the last thing they think about instead of the first thing they think about and really taking time to really put in thought and connect as a couple and process that. So I think that's where we started was knowing like we really wanted our ceremony to have a lot of time to, you know, come together and think about what we really wanted this to look like. Um, so that was the first thing we, I'm Jewish. Um, I am a, I call myself a bad Jew, but that's because, uh, my family, we're not very religious. We, I feel like for us, it's not religious, it's cultural and it's more some traditional things that are connecting nostalgic. Um, it's being Jewish is interesting because it's, it's so many things. It's like a religion, but it's, it's also an identity and it's a lineage and it's like all of it's, it's many things in one. Um, so I knew I wanted to connect to that in some way. Um, and then my wife was really into that. And I think what was cool about it was making it our own. So we, we talked to, um, we didn't have a rabbi, but we had someone who, who is Jewish and she understood, you know, what a traditional Jewish ceremony looks like, but we really wanted to kind of like flip it upside down and make it really personal to us and who we are as a couple. And so some examples of that is like, we did the seven circles, which is traditionally where the bride circles, the groom. And it kind of feels like this gender thing that we're not about. (laughs) So we wanted to do it though, because the symbology of it is really beautiful. Um, and being able to circle each other in protection and light and love and kind of that felt really powerful. And so we decided to do it to each other. So, you know, she circled me three times. I circled her and then we walked together in a circle around each other. Mm -hmm. And we played this like really beautiful song that my wife chose that she was connected to because me being Jewish was also finding those other little moments of her. And what was a little bit challenging to be super honest with you was that, you know, she, she is black and she has a history. Her family's history is, is slavery and being robbed of that, of like, what is my true culture? What does that even mean for her? We process through so many ideas. We're like, well, do we do this? Do we do that? And just like nothing felt right to her. It just wasn't connecting to her doing something like, you know, something that was like an African culture. She's like, okay, but I'm not from Africa. Like, you know, so it was, it was a process we went through, which was really cool. And I think through all of that, it was also really good to note that like, don't do something just to do it. You know, you can explore things and whatever you decide to do, make sure it feels connecting and authentic to who you are as a couple and who you are as an individual. And so that was part of our process as well. I just wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, so we did the seven circles and that felt like really beautiful. And we were just, I mean, I, I'm sure we were sobbing. I don't know. You took the video, Jay. Were we sobbing? Probably. <laughs> I, I think everyone was sobbing. I know that my vision got a little blurry at some point. So I was like, oh goodness. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it was one of my favorite parts of the ceremony. I think what was really cool about it too is it slowed down time. 
because the ceremony goes by so fast. And in that moment, as we were circling each other, we just looked into each other's eyes and it was like we were taking these really slow stops around one another. And it was one of my favorite parts of our ceremony. And another example is like the chuppah is this like traditional structure that you stand under. And we didn't want to do that. We're like, no, we don't need that. That doesn't feel connecting to us. But we wanted to use our parents because we have three parents total. So I have three, my dad, my mom, and my stepmom who raised me. And my wife has her mom who raised her. And so they are the four pillars of the chuppah. And so we had them come up and stand where like the pillars would be as the representation of the foundation of us getting to where we are today. And they each read a blessing that was very much about how they have helped us be the people we are. And that was also Mm -hmm. something that I felt like we took like a tradition, spin it around and thought about like, well, how can we make this feel connecting? And that was another example of honoring our parents and helping, you Mm -hmm. know, having them be a part of our ceremony. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. Um, so in pro- topic to like the inclusivity of, mm-hmm. you know, you, you shared that you wish that you were a little bit more inclusive in terms of the vendors. Um, so to kind of go into inclusivity within business, yeah. what do you think is an example of what a queer community searches for in businesses to see whether or not they are supporters? Like, how do you think how do you think we can, um, as businesses provide more diversity within ourselves to then, mm-hmm. or, or just like, you know, <laughs> Words. my brain just stopped. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I go, I, okay. I, I'll take it. I'll take it and go with it. <laughs> um, I wanted to say first on that question, I think what, is really important is that queer couples want what any couple wants. So I think it's also important to know that like, we're not different. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, like we are humans who want to have what any couple wants searching for vendors. Like we want the vendors to be like, fuck yeah. Like I totally want to do this wedding. I'm aligned with who you are. I understand your vision. I support you. I see you. I honor who you are. I respect you. I affirm you and I celebrate you. Cause I think that's the other piece too. Is like we as vendors can say like, yeah, we welcome everybody totally. Like we're welcoming, but it's like, well, from there affirming and celebrating takes it to that level of like, I am in your corner and I am so excited about your wedding and I love your love and I love your love story. And I'm here to, to make this the best day for you. Um, and really being able to support the couple through that process. So I think that's the first thing I wanted to note. It's just like, we want, you know, queer couples, we're looking for the same thing. Um, (laughs) Obviously we live in a society where it is not an equal society. And so unfortunately for that reason, you know, the wedding industry is a microcosm of that. And so as, as queer couples come into the wedding industry and navigate that, there is definitely a feeling of like, am I going to receive that? Um, and so I think the biggest thing that couples are looking for is not having to guess. So the advice mm. to vendors is take out the guesswork. We don't want to have to look for a DJ, for example, and be like, are they inclusive? Are they going to feel comfortable being with us? Have they ever done a queer wedding before? We don't have, we don't want to ask those questions. It's, it's exhausting, right? When you're 
you at planning a big wedding, you have to, you have to hire so many vendors. And so to go through that process every single time, I think for queer couples, it's like, we don't want to have to do all that extra wondering and having to have all those conversations. So I think what the advice there for vendors is take out the guesswork where you are automatically showcasing that in an authentic real way that comes from your heart, you know, and couples can feel that and see that and don't have to wonder. Um, I think a big part of that to the immediate things that couples are probably looking for off the top is inclusive language. It's probably the number one thing that's easy to, to, to see. So when I'm looking at your website and I'm a queer couple and I'm looking at your website and I see bride and groom, bride and groom, he, she, he, she, I'm, I'm immediately not calling you. (laughs) Like that is a number one way that you are going to not be able to get queer couples to come to you. Like I can just say that right now. I, I'm I'm not. And again, I I do want to say too briefly, I'm not speaking for all queer people. Like we are not a monolith. It is such a diverse community um, and so many identities and intersections within the community. So everything I'm saying is kind of coming from my own personal experience and other things I have heard from queer couples navigating the wedding, wedding industry, but it's all different for what queer couples are looking for. But I think that is definitely a sure way to, turn people away from your business. So being inclusive and using gender neutral language is a very simple and important thing that vendors can do um, to showcase that. I think the other things that vendors can do is using pronouns. And, you know, we have so many folks in the queer community that have different pronouns and pronouns are really important and using correct pronouns are important. And, when we are working with couples, we don't want to assume. And so because it's a heteronormative culture, some vendors make that mistake sometimes of just like assuming he, she, or bright groom, like heterosexual couple. Um, and so being able to put pronouns in, in implementing pronouns into your business into different ways creates an environment of inclusivity. So some examples are being able to put your pronouns in your contact page because we're all looking to engage with couples and we want to know, okay, when's your wedding date? And, you know, where's the location and tell me about you. But we, we also want to put in pronouns because that is going to help us understand our couple's identity. And so that we can off the bat know that their pronouns are they, them, she, her, and we don't make assumptions and then make mistakes by using their own pronouns because we don't know, or it's like, well, you know, people can get really uncomfortable about asking. And so then we don't ask at all and then just avoid it, you know, and then that's where some things can have, some things can happen that can be harmful. So if we off, mm-hmm. off the bat are saying, we want to know your pronouns because it's important to us and we want to respect you and honor who you are. That's a really, really simple thing you can do. And then also doing it yourselves. Like, I think that the really important thing about pronouns is that it shouldn't just be on the queer community to put their pronouns, talk about their pronouns, you know, having to have their pronouns out there. They, as, a, as a whole, you know, society, we can normalize the use of pronouns for all of us. And I think that in, 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 it really creates inclusivity. So putting your pronouns in your signature, um, like we talked about earlier, you can put that little, what is this link, um, putting your pronouns mm-hmm. in your bio. So if you have, if you have multiple staff in your business, making sure that when you talk about this is who I am, you know, you have three staff, they have the little bio, put their pronouns that, that means yeah. something. Um, put your pronouns in your social media. So on your Instagram bio, put them there. And like, Jay, how long does this take? Like, I don't know, like two seconds. 
Right. <laughs> like this is not heavy lifting. Like this is what, what, what's important about it is like, yeah, it takes 10 seconds to do it, but what's important about it is understanding why you're doing it. So that education piece yeah. is really important. Right. So I think those are a few examples. Another, another really big one is an inclusivity statement that takes out the guesswork. Just say what you believe in. This is, this is who we are as, as a business this is what we believe in. This is, this is, you know, the type of couples that we want to work with and we support and we, we believe love all love stories are important and valid and we celebrate all couples like something. It can be simple. It doesn't have to be this like long paragraph, you know, but something because I think as queer couples, we're looking for that. Like, what are you saying? Because if you're saying nothing, we don't know. Um, and then another thing, of course, is representation. So you're working with queer couples. Make sure that you're highlighting that and you're showing couples of all all identities um in your pictures and the pictures you share and um you know that that's that's for all diversity right so couples of all identities i think that's really important to include as well so those are just some examples um also putting yourself on like lgbtqia platforms you know there's a lot of them out there that you are saying that like we believe love is love and we support couples of all identities and we're going to showcase our business on these LGBTQ platforms where couples are going mm-hmm. to look for queer allies and vendors that have done the work and are putting themselves in on a platform that is 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 really focused within the queer community. So that's another thing that that vendors can do. My only thing with that is make sure you've done the work before you do it, right? Because if you're showcasing yourself in those platforms, make sure that you've you've really educated yourself, you're coming from an authentic place, you're implementing inclusivity. And then that's like the, the way that you can, you can take it to the next level is really putting yourself in those spaces. There's specific LGBTQIA like vendor um, expos that you can go to as a vendor as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That is so great, honestly, because I was actually going to ask that, like how do vendors showcase or show up to clients that are afraid of asking? Because we know a lot of people have high social anxiety, especially with um, today's climate. So, like, I think that's that's amazing. Like, I and I do agree that vendors should step up and, you know, like, not just not just to gain business, but to actually be an ally. Yes, it's like, about being an ally, be genuine, yeah. and like, yeah, be mm-hmm. be an ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're an ally in your life, <laughs> why not be in your business? Right. So that's what kind of we were talking about before, Jay. It's like <laughs> translating it, you know, it's like there doesn't have to be a disconnect. You don't have to. And I think the other thing I want to say is like, let's remember this is coming from fucking love. Right. Mm-hmm. Love isn't just about like, I support your love as a couple, as a queer couple. I support your love. I'm so glad you're together. I love everything about you. I believe in your rights, but it's also about like the love that we give back and forth and like we all can can create relationship and so as vendors it's like really wanting to know the couple what is your story how did you get to this place how did you meet like tell me about you I want to support you and everything that you are like build relationship I think building relationship is really key as well mm-hmm. but yeah do you want to touch a little bit about what we talked about in terms of navigating the wedding industry through the commu- queer community I know we we did um, yeah <laughs> Quite a bit. We but did. Do you have um, any more? I think what I wanted to say about that is 
with wedding coaching, working, what what I want to do in my business. So I'm, I probably should have said this earlier. I do wedding coaching. I started off. Let me just talk about that first. I just realized that. Like we just like skipped the whole thing. So let me say this. Okay. So I started off my business wanting to bring wedding coaching to the wedding industry, which is very unheard of. Um, Like I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. it's something that doesn't really exist. It's something that is emotional and supporting the couples through that process um, from an authentic place of like, how do they really connect to who they are and navigating all of the many layers of complications. Um, And through that, I knew I had a really big upward battle because it's so unestablished. And like my whole life, I'm such a trailblazer. I love doing shit no one's done. Like it's my jam. It really makes me pumped. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change something. I'm gonna bring something new. Like, as a side note, I worked as a director at a domestic violence shelter, and it was completely stuck in the '80s. This place looked mm. like a time capsule, and it was horrible. And by the time I left a year later, we had had a complete remodel. I changed all the policies and procedures. It was a gender like inclusive shelter. We accepted um, survivors of all identities. We had transgender clients. We had male clients. It was like a complete transfer place. So that's like something I love to do. So I'm excited by the idea that I'm starting something somewhat new in the wedding industry. At the same time, it's really terrifying because it is a lot to bring something that couples don't even know they need. Um, I still need to pay the bills, right? So I was like, how do I evolve my business? Since wedding coaching focuses so much on the ceremony and helping couples create an, an intentional ceremony, I decided like, why not be an officiant? And so now I'm officiating. I have 20 weddings this year. Um, wow. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. That's awesome. And and I also, I had a couple that I did a discovery call for wedding coaching and they kind of really gave me a light bulb moment, which was they really wanted premarital coaching specifically. And that wasn't fully what I was offering through wedding coaching. It does support the couple's relationship because they might disagree on some decision and they're not on the same page. Like my besties who I provided wedding coaching for, um, very, very different pages. One wanted like the biggest wedding of her dreams and the other wanted like maybe not a wedding at all potentially, or like a really small <laughs> wedding because <laughs> they had already done, like they'd already done like an elopement because of COVID. And so then they were like navigating, like how do they, they were just complete opposite. And so that's like a wedding coaching example of like, how do I help the couple come to the middle and really not over-sacrifice, but both get their needs met and kind of find a middle ground is an example of wedding coaching within the relationship. But it wasn't necessarily focused on the larger dynamics within their relationship that they wanted to strengthen. And so this couple's like, that's really what we want, but we don't really know that's what you do. And I was like, because I don't, but I want to. And so I decided to add premarital coaching as well with my background in social work um, and the work I've done. From a therapeutic perspective, I felt like I had the skill set to to provide that. Not being a therapist, I'm a coach, not a therapist. So really, you know, goal oriented, direct, um, supportive, helping the couple be able to strengthen areas in their relationship. So maybe it's communication or contact re- resolution, or maybe they have a larger dynamic and 
that's like an external dynamic, like they're struggling with someone's parent or whatever it might be and helping them navigate through that before they enter into marriage. So their foundation is a little bit stronger um, into their marriage. So that, so I do all three of those things now. (laughs) Um, And it's really helped my business grow because the premarital coaching and the officiating are services that people know about, they're established, people are looking for that. And then as I connect with couples on officiating and premarital coaching, I'm like, I'm also a wedding coach. Because they're all talking about the issues that they're struggling with that wedding coaching would fall underneath. And so I'm like, I can also do wedding coaching. And now I'm being able to implement wedding coaching. And so I have couples that I'm doing multiple services with. So I have one couple that I'm, I started off as they hired me as their officiant. I did premarital coaching with them. I also did wedding coaching. And now I'm coming full circle back around to officiate their wedding. So it's pretty That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. And what I yeah. love about it is that it's so intentional. And it's like, as an officiant specifically, because... I really get to know the couple and we work together for a long time and we build relationship and trust. And then when I go to officiate their wedding, we're like best friends, um, which is really cool. So, so I wanted to say that first. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. I think regardless, like reiterating what you do, what Mm -hmm. your purpose is and what you're putting out for people to provide support and resources is, is -hmm. like, okay, great. I know now that she can support me. So yeah, I, I realized I was like, we should probably put that at the beginning, maybe the, of the podcast yeah, or yeah. somewhere because I realized I'm like, I never actually talked about all the things I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the, the last thing I would add before we're done with the, the wedding coaching with queer couples specifically is there's just different layers of challenge sometimes for couples because we live in a world where, unfortunately, you know, queer couples aren't always accepted for who they are within their families um, and have to come out. And that's not always a positive experience. And I think what I've noticed is a lot of times that they do come out and their family kind of knows that um, they don't talk about it. There is a lack of really fully embracing them and their partner until they get married. And then it's like in everyone's face. And that is, I don't mean that in a, it sounds negative. It is, it is, it is a really big challenge because I think for the parents that have been avoiding that, that are like, okay, I know my kid's gay, but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to acknowledge it. When their kid's getting married, it's there. And it's like, you're, we can't, we're not avoiding this any longer. And so I think for the couples getting married, that can be really challenging. I talked to um, a few folks and one person said it feels like they're coming out all over again. Mm. Yeah. And it's yeah. really, really heavy and emotional for them because that was already really a hard time they went through and really traumatic. And yeah. It's like they're re- 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 reliving it. Um, and thinking about what are people going to think about our wedding, about our love, who's coming, you know, we don't want people to come to our wedding who don't support us, who don't acknowledge us. And what do you do when those people are your closest people, your parents, your siblings, whatever, like, how do you navigate that? So I think that's something that is important to acknowledge. um, And that I, I, as a queer person, like, we all have different stories. 
you know, I can't necessarily relate to everyone's story, but I, I understand and I want to be a support system. And so I think part of wedding coaching can kind of almost go into that more like therapeutic realm of like supporting couples through that, you know, um, Hmm. wanting to wear a suit, but terrified what their parents will think of them because their mom wants them to wear a dress. You know, that is something that maybe heterosexual couples aren't necessarily navigating. Um, and so I just wanted to say that too, because I think something that's really important to me in my business is I support couples of all identities. I love everybody. (laughs) I also acknowledge that like queer couples are very marginalized, especially within the wedding industry based off of everything we've talked about. And so I want to be a light for them and I want to be available for them. And I want to be there when they're like, we really want a queer vendor that understands us and is going to be able to support us through this process. Like, I want to be that person. So if you're out there, if you're a queer couple out there, like I am so much here as a support and a love for you navigating the wedding industry. And I just wanted to say that as well. Good. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yes. We need more, we need more queer vendors. Yeah. To show even just like allyship in general, like, And that also kind of branches off into the capitalism of like holidays and especially coming up with June. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I wasn't sure if I should talk about it, but I'm going to just see how it goes just for a little bit. Okay. Um, So my, my example right now is that with Juneteenth, there's now companies like Walmart, as an example, who are selling items for Juneteenth, like ice cream. Ice cream? We've already seen it. Yeah, I know. I, uh, like like red velvet flavor. Yeah, just like stuff like that. We've already, already seen, uh, you know, queer Pride Month, like capitalized within every company. And now we're kind of just seeing it even expand for everyone. Like, what are they? They're just going to continue stealing the money where like you can say that it it goes to nonprofits. But how do we believe you? You know, you only show up once a year to say that you support me. Um, So, yeah. What do you think on that? Like, it's frustrating. I think a lot of people don't feel good about that. I think about maybe, and I don't know if we'll put this in the podcast or not, but I feel like there's a difference. It comes back to the difference of intentionality and authenticity. Like Walmart, who owns Walmart? What do they? What 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 politicians are they funding? What are they, what policies do they believe in? Right? Like I don't like to step foot in Walmart because I feel like it's Trump land. Like I'm just like fuck this place. I literally, I swear to God, I went to Walmart the other day because I had to because we kind of live in an area where we don't have a lot of like shops around us and I told my wife I was like I don't love Walmart but we're going I was like there's just I just feel like there's Trumpers everywhere we come outside and there's a big ass Trump truck with the huge ass flag and I'm just like let me see the guy who walks out of this and he just looked like the guy you want to avoid at all costs and I was like this is what I'm fucking talking about (laughs) so I think I think it comes to like the company's implementation of like actually being inclusive in their value system. And that's the performative piece. Like Walmart doing that feels super performative to me because you're not, 
you're not taking action on the ground. You're not actually believing in like love and love and inclusivity and like supporting, like, you know, and, and, and being anti-racist and all that shit. No, I don't think Walmart is doing that. On the other hand, not that I'm an expert, I feel like Target is more. Target, mm. you know, it's how they treat their employees. It's the policies they have in place. Like wearing, I went to Target the other day and, you know, someone had a pin with they, they're them. It's like, sweet. Like they're talking about pronouns. They have gender neutral bathrooms and people had a big ass problem with that. But Target's like, we don't care. We're going to put gender neutral bathrooms in. They have a pride section. I love it. I think it's really great. And they're supporting the people like they have a lot of black owned businesses and that money's going back to those black owned businesses. Like they're not just selling like, you know, like, um, Juneteenth where like black lives matter. It's like, it's coming from black owned businesses. I think that's the difference, mm-hmm. you know, like target. I talked to the lady cause I'm always like, when's the target price section coming out? <laughs> cause I will go take all the things. And I talked to the person the other day. I was like, do you guys have a pride section? She's like, oh my God, it's coming on Monday. I'm going today. I'm not, I'm literally going today. And she said that they have chest binding. Really? I was like, what? They're like, yeah, we're, we're just selling chest binding. I'm like, that's like next level, right? That's, that's so, that's so progressive. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. Making that accessible for trans kids and youth that they can go into target and buy chest binding. Is Walmart doing that? No. Like, I, I kind of agree. Like, I don't know. Like when I go to places, I have like this weird, I don't know if I, if it's just me, but when I step into Walmart, I feel like I stepped into a corporate America. Right. But when I stepped into Target, I feel so happy. I feel there's rainbow everywhere. Like it, I, I just feel like it's such a happy place. <laughs> I got this at Target. I got this at Target. I love it. But yeah, like Walmart, I really just go to Walmart if it's last minute, if it's if we're truly desperate for something Mm -hmm. and we don't want to get it online and Walmart happens to have it. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I would go to Target. Like Target is always like my number one choice. Mm -hmm. Even when it comes to buying um, arts and crafts um, supply for my daughter. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Target instead of Walmart. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. Like I do like I see that like all year round with Target that they they offer more inclusivity rather than Walmart. I feel like Walmart is just um, it's their marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. Totally. So. <laughs> I don't know. I love that you just whip out. the. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> Okay, but like, so when we were trying to do our branding photos for, um, because I wanted to include more of the flags, when you brought your flag over for yours, I was like, I don't know why I don't even have one. I've always wanted to be like getting the one that's full inclusive with like the fifth. Yeah, the progressive. That's so cool. Yeah, or if like uh, Lucin Kaplan were to, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if she were to ever make hers a flag with the paintbrush, I just, I, I like it. It's cute. Um, so cool. So I wanted one for our branding photos, 
but I was dumb and just didn't order one online. And I was like, that's fine. I could probably find some at a store. Mm-hmm. No. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe at Spencer's when they're in stock, but even then, they're, they're all online. Everything's online yeah. for that. Yeah. And it was, was so frustrating because... I was like, what, where's the lack of representation here? Like, I was like, why isn't this accessible? Is it because, you know, people are putting out their policies like, or political views and it's going to be a problem or like, what's the reason behind, I don't know. Like, it's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, this was a great topic. (laughs) yeah I feel like that topic no I wanted to add that topic for me goes beyond the flag it goes into gender expression I am so Mm. fucking annoyed I think that me plus so many people that want to explore their gender expression and being androgynous and dressing a different way that maybe our body you know the, the, the sex we're born with it's like the most frustrating thing in the world to me there is such like I have to shop in the guys section you know if that's even going to be closely it, but like I have hips and I have like double D boobs and like, that's not going to always work, you know? And so I think it's really frustrating for, for queer folks and not even queer folks, but like all people who want to explore their gender expression, that there's just like such a lack of, of representation in that in stores and being able to find those things. It's so binary. It's like, it's the women's section, the men's section. It's like, there's nothing. And that doesn't work for body types. And there are definitely a lot of brands out there that are selling those types of clothes. Um, They rightfully so are very expensive and you know, they should be because (laughs) they're doing something you know really unique and i I, i'm not saying they shouldn't charge a lot for it because it's probably really great quality and and a lot goes into it but it's like it's not accessible and i think too just like small things like i was having this fantasy with lauren the other day where i was like we should open up like an androgynous store that has like all of these accessories because i've been really into like bolo ties and like collar chains that are so cool and like having blazers and like pant suits that like match with cool patterns and colors and like I bought this bright ass pink I was gonna tell you this shit I brought this bright ass pink bright ass pink matching suit and I'm like I need a photo shoot now so I need a photo shoot with this anyways but like it was so like I found it and I, I found an express but like I haven't been able to find anything like that for, for years. And so is it, did you say, you said you found this at express? Mm-hmm. Is it part of their spring line? I think like, do they so. also have the lavender and like the blue and that green? So I went and to the outlets and that place was like run over. So I don't, they didn't have all the colors, but like it was cool okay. too. Cause Lauren bought the same, like they had a dress in the exact same color. So she has the dress and I have the pantsuit and I'm like, babe, we have oh to my gosh. Oh, like that the is two so perfect. Yeah. Together. Anyways. But yeah, I think that just coming back to the point, like that's really it's really frustrating, you know, that there's just like such a lack of accessibility to be able to express ourselves the way we want to. Um and that it's it's Definitely. not really available. Like you can't find it. Mm-hmm. Like do you see how excited I get for the one month a year that Pride section is in Target? you know because like that's like the only time I feel like I can walk into a store and see all things gay and it's like in one place and it's really exciting but that's only once a year 
Yeah. I have a story that's very similar. My nephew, um, I'm trying to like provide more of like an open space for fluidity, not only in sexuality, but also identity and expression through fashion. Yeah. So, and then being sustainable about it. So we will, in the, we hung out, we were um, going to Goodwill so I can get him some clothes and it was very frustrating through the process because I, I shop interchangeably through both, both men's clothes and women's clothes. He often found stuff that he loved during in the women's clothes. And I'd be like, oh, you like that? And he's like, yeah, kind of, but it's for, you know, a girl. And I'm like, no, no it's not. Like, why would, why would it be for a girl? And he's like, because it's in the women's section. And then I had to full explain to him, I'm like, where's the gender in a clothing? Yeah. And try to bring that new concept to his head. And it's interesting to see his behavior while I was interchangeably moving through both, how much he felt reserved and looked around his surroundings when he was in the women's section wanting that more than anything. And it was like, almost shocking, heartbreaking and frustrating because what our society has done to the next generation, even our generation, like how much it traumatized us to feel like we're not free enough to just wear some fucking clothing. Like what the hell? I know. So it's so ridiculous. And so, so gender is a social construction. Like it's completely made up. I think it's hilarious to think about like who, one person at some point in time decided that pink's for girls and blue's for boys. Like it's, it's baffling to me. And to this day <laughs> that is so ingrained in our society. Like it is so, so, so ingrained in our society that to this day, that is still something that kids will get bullied over. People have strong feelings about like, it is still so much connotation and like messaging and association to pink girl, blue boy, which is also gender binary. I mean, it's also very binary, like being like one gender each but it's like so 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 your nephew you know goes into the store how old is he he's 12 12 yeah but he's already learned in 12 years that this is the box he's in and this is the other box that he's not in and it's it's all made up like you're saying like it's just clothes it's fabric with colors (laughs) And patterns and buttons and zippers. It's like, I don't get it. <laughs> right. It, it's when you really break it down, it's so stupid. It's so, it's so, it's, it makes no sense. But our it society is like, is I, like <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I think what's more frustrating is that girls are a lot more understandable and okay in wearing boys' clothes than boys wanting to wear girls' clothes. So last Halloween, my daughter Zoe, she wanted to be. Gecko uh, from PJ Mask. Gecko is a boy character. And so we ended up buying her Gecko outfit. Julio, my husband, wears the cat boy outfit. And then I wore, I wore Owlette. Everyone kept on t- saying, oh, buddy, you're so cute. Like they didn't know that she's a girl underneath all that. But us, like as a family, we're like, yeah, cool. She She wants to be. She wants to be Gecko, whatever. And even as a as a baby, 
we are set on not having her wear all pink. Like we will buy clothes that are in the boys section and both girls section for her. And let me tell you, girls clothes are a lot more expensive than boys clothes. I was like, what the fuck? You're already putting pink taxes on baby clothing? Like, this is outrageous. Like, why are you like this? So a lot of her clothes, a lot of her PJs are boys clothes. Because we're like, whatever. I mean, she's only going to be wearing this for a week and then she'll grow it out. You know, Mm -hmm. but that's what I noticed after being a parent. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. Fuck it. I wear I sometimes wear boys clothing like I would buy shirts from the boys section mm-hmm. and I'm like it doesn't have a gender so whatever oh and I got so many feelings about this topic I mean we can be in a whole nother podcast <laughs> on this I I will go on some like serious soapbox on clothing and for kids as well specifically it's like what the fuck I don't under I mean this is my biggest thing who said that boys need to be into sharks and dinosaurs and, right. you know, blue jean and let's like trucks and blah. it's like, it's so ridiculous. Like animals are gendered and then girls have like bunny ba- bunnies and bears and like these like softer animals or Llamas. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh my God, the amount of like sparkle, 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 yes! and sequins and bows and like, and like, yeah, the pink tax is there because they're fucking putting so many extra shit on their clothes. Like, that is, <laughs> like, they, that's why it's more expensive. So like, this shirt needs 10 bows and a million sequins where the guy's shirt or the boy shirt is just like a big ass dinosaur it pisses me off so bad because it's like i don't i don't understand why we're gendering animals and what is on these clothing and it's like daddy's little girl like the baby section is horrible you know like the the wording too it's so it's so Mm -hmm. gendered and like we wonder where our kids learn this from that's a big part of where they learn it from like you walk into a store and it is so clearly divided by what a girl should wear and what a boy should wear. And that doesn't even get into the topic of kids that are non-binary, kids that are transgender, Mm. kids that don't fall within the binary. And they're being forced to pick. And that's based off of the sex assigned at birth. And what if that's Mm. not the sex, that's not the gender they identify with? Like, that's a whole nother level, right? And so, anyways... This topic today, I think, was super amazing, and I hope that people take advantage of you and and their work. (laughs) Sorry, and their wedding. (laughs) Because because I think you provide so much space for people, and I think that you're doing incredible things, and I'm excited to see how much even Colorado progresses with you being um, here to provide those resources. So thank you so much for being here today, and having a conversation with us. I think it was awesome. Oh, you're so welcome, Jay. And you know, I love you very much. And it's been really cool to be in the wedding industry now because, you know, you did my wedding we met through Ty and everything. But I feel like now that I'm in the wedding industry, like we've had so many more times to connect and talk and like, yeah. you know, you've helped me so much with those pictures. Like, I love those pictures. I'm so excited about them. Like, you know, 
being able to work with you in different ways has been really cool. Um, and I'm excited for, you know, the continuing of that. And Maddie, it was so nice to meet you. I've been listening so to y'all's nice podcast and I hear your voice and I'm like, oh my God, I can like picture this person, like your personality and you're very, you're a big shining light for sure. And I can feel Aww, that through thank the podcast. You. So it's really nice to meet with you. And I want to say too, like, thank you for having me on because, you know, it's nice to be able to spread this message anywhere I can and really get out what mm-hmm. I do. And um, like I said, you know, it, it is definitely a challenge ahead of me being something people don't really know about. Um, so thanks for like having me on and highlighting that and having such a good conversation. Like this was really fun. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Any way to support you, we're here for you. Just know that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And you know, we can get a drink sometime too. There's, there's always that. So (laughs) yeah, I I really do need to figure out how to work like pleasure in work and like balance that still. Yeah. But I agree. I do too. Like I, yeah, like I've been like, starting my business. I've just been like, I need to work all the time. And it's like, no, you need to have that balance. It's interesting. Like when I was working for other people, I felt like I had no time to myself because I was working for other people and not working for myself. And I'm my own person being like, you need to work all the time. <laughs> it's like, actually, <laughs> you're the boss. <laughs> so no. Toxic work culture. <laughs> yes. It's like ingrained. It's ingrained with my own, like by being, being my own boss, you know. But yeah, if you ever want yeah, to get we a have drink, that conversation. <laughs> We know what it's like. Uh, <laughs> for sure. So before, I guess before we um, we ended, where do we I find guess, you? Yeah, where can we contact you? Where can we find you? Absolutely. So you can find me at nearlywedcoaching.com and it's nearly, N-E-A-R-L-Y, not newly. <laughs> and <laughs> it's one word, nearlywedcoaching. And then I'm also on Instagram, nearlywedcoaching. Facebook, Nearly Wet Coaching. <laughs> and then my email, <laughs> all of the Nearly Wet Coaching, yes. <laughs> and then my email is hello at Nearly Wet Coaching. Awesome. That's perfect. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much again. And thank we hope you. that you have a wonderful, you know, time this week. And I'm excited to see you in the future. And yeah, so thank you so much. Today's affirmation is. I can become totally new overnight, no matter how long I've been living a certain way. Stay safe. Stay sexy. Wild baby. Oh, we're so cute. (laughs) You like your cupcakes and sprinkles? Yeah. What else? That was a good cupcake. (laughs) 